with bow your heads for our prayer of reflection. Gracious God, we ask that you um, take us a little bit out of our humdrum lives, the day-to-day business, open our minds, open our eyes, and unplug our ears to your mysteries in this world. Um, we ask you to be with us this morning. Amen. Um, Bible verse, first Bible verse this morning is Isaiah 43, verses 15 through 19. Uh, please turn to, uh, let's see, page 63, in your pupil Bible, 672, sorry. I am the Lord, your Holy One, the Creator of Israel, your King, thus says the Lord who makes a way in the sea, a path in the mighty waters, who brings out chariot and horse, army and warrior. They lie down, they cannot rise. They are extinguished, quenched like a wick. Do not remember the former things or consider the things of old. I am about to do a new thing. Now it springs forth, do not perceive it. I will make a way in the wilderness and river in the desert. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, 
Thank you, choir. I, I just have to do this. Uh, it's Jim's birthday. So can we sing happy Jim, happy birthday as they all sit down? Happy birthday to you. For a number of years, the church has looked at metrics, measurable stats, 
concepts that will help us measure our health. You look at how many people show up and sit in the pews on Sundays, or how good our budget is doing. We look at the response to financial giving, how many new members join the congregation, how many people are baptized, how many weddings and funerals were done in a year. And while these statistics are interesting, they don't always speak well to the overall health of the church. Things that do, though, often are more subtle, more personal. Things like, do we care for each other's needs here in our gathered body? Do we make everyone a place to grow in their faith here? Do we practice a faith that invites other people to encounter the Spirit's presence when we gather in worship? And these are harder questions for us to answer. But they speak to the depth and the strength of that gathered body. In graduate school, I spent a good part of two years uh, researching and writing on the topic of spiritual formation, specifically about how the practices of our faith shape us unto the way of God. The overwhelming takeaway for me was that as we study and fast and live on the Sabbath, and read the scriptures, and serve the poor, and live our lives in tune with the changing seasons of God's world, that we are changed and oriented unto God's way. We start to see that there's more going on around us. This week, we're going to be launching into a two-year process with the Presbyterian Church USA. It's called Vital Congregations Initiative. We're among 16 churches in the Northwest Coast Presbytery participating in this work. Work that will encourage us to ask questions about how vital, vibrant, alive, or awake our life together is. We'll celebrate the things that God is already doing here. We'll experiment with new possibilities of how to grow our awareness of God's calling to our community. We'll seek to acknowledge the places where we need to strengthen and deepen our commitment to this call. Peter and James and John, the three disciples who Jesus invited to his most intimate circle of trust, were overcome by awe and wonder as Jesus was revealed in his glory alongside the paragons of the Jewish faith, Moses and Elijah. This revealing woke them up to the war that was going on around them. And as you hear this text read in a moment, consider how we might be invited to go beyond what is right and expected to a greater depth of health and vitality and action together. What must be transfigured among us? What must be revealed for us to be filled anew with this awe and wonder ourselves? Our second scripture reading today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 17, verses 1 through 9. You'll find it in your Pew Bible on page 18 of the New Testament section. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and his brother John and led them up a high mountain by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, 
and his clothes became dazzling and white. Suddenly there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with him. Then Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, I will make three dwellings here, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, suddenly a bright cloud overshadowed him. And from the cloud, a voice said, This is my son, the Beloved. With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell to the ground and were overcome by fear. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Yeah, do not be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus himself alone. As they came down to the, down the mountain, Jesus ordered them, Tell no one about the vision until the, after the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. This is the word of the Lord. A high mountain was a place of expectation for God to be revealed. The hearers of this word and the disciples who experienced it themselves would have thought of Moses on Mount Sinai, receiving the law from God to the Israelites as they passed through the wilderness. They would have been reminded of Elijah on Mount Horeb, hearing God's still, small voice, delivering him and calling him to be the prophet of the people of God. And this mountain is the final in the trinity of God's revealing action, this time with God's own beloved son, the Christ, revealed for who he truly is among his disciples. Listen to Moses, we hear, from whom the law was taught. Listen to Elijah, from whom the prophetic truth was spoken. And listen to Jesus, whose immediate words following his transfiguration are, Do not be afraid. This is the one who we listen to and watch and live into as he undoes the power of death itself. As I said for a moment ago, it can be easy to go through times when the sight of all that is possible beyond our sight uh, gets lost. Day after day, when we pray, we show up, we do our part, but to what end? And I'll speak for myself. I need to be reminded of the awe and wonder of God frequently. I need to be shaken awake. I need practices that will spark that awe in me. And like the diamond that I showed the kids moments ago, I need to see the light of Christ refracted through me in a new way. I need to see the prism turned in to see something new and wondrous and hope-filled shine out from it. And this is what we are being invited to as we process through our congregation's vitality together. It's not necessarily that we need to find a new way, but maybe we need to be helpfully reminded of what God is already at work doing here among us, and then strengthen that. This initiative that we'll walk through, it talks about seven marks of vital congregations. 
These are studied and tested ways that we move beyond simple numerical metrics to ask questions about our well-rounded health together. For the season of Lent, which begins this week, I'll be preaching on each of these different marks to help us get a sense for what they are, give us a chance to explore them together, and how they might impact our life. Today, as we launch this initiative, you'll notice uh, that there's some ways you can already start to participate. In the narthex, you'll see there's a big, beautiful color display that has a picture of each of the marks colored in with their names on them that hopefully illustrate what they are meant to be. We also have coloring books in the narthex as well that you can take home that actually have much longer descriptions about what they are, the marks. You can take and color in in your own way. It's not just for children, it's for all of us to spend meditative time reflecting on what God is stirring up in us. You'll find those in the back. We'll also be hosting a weekly Bible study on Wednesdays. Soup and study, you'll probably see it in your bulletin, where we'll study the scriptures that are uh, accessing these marks for us, helping us understand a bit more deeply what God is stirring up in our, in our life together. And finally, we, we've printed off uh, these cool little seven-day cycle of prayer cards. What I'd like to invite you to do is, as you start the season of Lent, there's a pile of these in the back as well, to grab them. What it does is it, mark, it walks us through each of these marks of vitality uh, as part of our daily rhythm of prayer or waking, closing the day. I invite you to take one and put it by your bedside, or put it on your refrigerator, or put it by the place where you sit and you have a morning cup of coffee or tea. It's maybe a practice for us to begin to engage, asking God to open us up to these ways that these marks are at work among us. As I mentioned, this week we enter the season of Lent. The days of preparation that lead us to Holy Week, the observance of Good Friday, the celebration of resurrection on Easter. And as we enter into this season of repentance and fasting, prayer, self-examination, we also enter into a season of vitality, where we begin to Im imagine our collective calling in new ways through repentance and change. We're invited to do this work together through Bible studies on Sunday mornings or Wednesday nights, through our gathered worship here each week, through intentional prayer, and exploring these marks of vitality that lead us to a greater sense of God's flourishing in our midst. Now, the Lenten journey, if you've been on it before, you know this is not an easy one, but it is a good one. It means a time for letting go, to take up a different kind of burden, one that will form us more and more fully into people who are awake and aware of the ways of God as we see them all around us. This morning I want to close with the four verses from Matthew 16 that precede our transfiguration text. Hear this as our calling. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you want to become my followers, let them deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. 
For those who want to save their life will lose it. And those who lose their life for my sake will find it. For what will it profit them if they gain the whole world, but forfeit their life? Or what will they give in return for their life? For the Son of Man is to come with his angels in the glory of his Father, and then he will repay everyone what has been done. Truly, I tell you, there are some standing here who will not taste death before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Friends, as we enter the Lenten journey, hear this, that the kingdom is awake and alive and all around us. It is breaking in, in our midst. We are invited to find ways to see it all the more. Like the diamond, to actually realize that there is light refracting through it. Beautiful light that sometimes we don't always see. The invitation is to do this together, to pursue it as one body, here as our gathered life together consists here at St. James Presbyterian Church. So hear this invitation. May we do this together. And may God's glory shine out through us. Let's pray. God, lead us down from the mountain down as people who have seen you transfigured and change, down into the places where we are called to serve and love, down into the places where we are gathered so that we might be able to be awake to your presence each day all the more. Lord, work in us as we question what is vital and vibrant and awake and alive among us. Challenge us, Lord, to see more from you, your infinite, your unimaginable power. Lord, guide us as we take steps together to pursue this. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen.